Morning Faith Life, it's so good to be with you again and thank you once again to our fantastic musicians for leading us in worship and putting all that together for us and also thanks to uh, Peter and Jackie and of course the puppy for uh, our communion time together. Um, it's really good to be with you, I, I, just a few weeks of listening to other anointed people, other people input and it's just been great, it's just been so good to hear others, to receive from others and to be together as part of a family. And, and speaking of families, um, one of the things that you'll need to look out for this week, we'll be sending a, an email out together with some of our thoughts about how we're going to be opening up even further, how we're going to be uh, meeting together, when that'll take place, uh, how we're responding to each step of the change in the uh, uh, roadmap out of lockdown. And there's some really good news there. So uh, to get that good news, you need to watch your, watch for your emails coming in uh, because it's time to start thinking ahead. It's time to start uh, looking to the future and it's time to start moving forward. And uh, you'll see all that in the emails this week. So watch out for those, uh, read them, listen to them and, uh, and, and really get ready for what God's about to do in us, through us and amongst us. Amen, Faith Life. Okay, so this morning we're going to be uh, coming back to that series that we've been uh, looking at, Good News for Bad Times. And uh, we're going to, what, First Peter? So get your Bibles ready, First Peter chapter 4. And we're going to be beginning at verse 12. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. But as I was preparing for this, I, I just thought, well, you know, I, I was really challenged as to, you know, what we've en encountered, what we've dealt with over the last year. And whilst the last year, you know, it's been a time of change, it's been a time of difficulty, it's been a time of problems, it's been uh, so challenging, it's so challenging for all of us. But, you know, life has a habit of throwing these things at us, doesn't it? And I, I was thinking like, God, what, what, what have I learned from this year? What has uh, really uh, impacted me? And one of the things that I, I really have felt very challenging is how uh, events have the ability to disrupt your plans. To kind of, you've got this plan all mapped out for the future. You're looking forward. You know where you're going. You think you know where you're going, and all of a sudden it's thrown into turmoil. Everything gets destabilized. You're not sure what, what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, if things are going to turn out at all. And all your plans are kind of up in the air and you're thrown off course. And I was thinking, God, that's a really good description of our, our, our last year or our last 14 months or so. You know, we, we, we were in a time where God was moving. We were involved in planting new churches, in mentoring churches. And, and suddenly everything was thrown off course, wasn't it? And, you know, just not from a church perspective, but for Cheryl and I and the family, our own lives thrown off course. And, you know, life's like that for all of us, isn't it, at times? It, you know, we, we get, we have this routine that we, we kind of like in our life and, it, and it's going along, rolling along nicely, but suddenly something happens and it throws us out of that old routine. And the truth is, I think, that What's happened to us over the last, um, I don't know, I guess 14 months now, 
is that, that the new reality that we encountered, that we thought would be all over very quickly, that new reality over time became our routine. And we, 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 we've been told what we can do, what we can't do, where we can go, who we can visit, who we can hug, who we can talk to, and so on. And I just wanted to say that one of the things I think that is, is such a, an encouragement now, but also for us as a challenge, is that we have been told for so long what we can't do. We've been told for so long what's not possible, what we can't do. But now the time ahead of us is the time where we can start looking at what we can do. We need to look forward as to what we can do because we've lived with the can't do for so long and it's now time to start moving on. And, uh, you know, when I say that, I recognise that some of us are going to be in this position where you're going, like, well, I'm not sure. I got quite comfortable with this. I'm quite happy with this. I, I'm not sure I want to go back to the way things were. I'm not sure what, what that means. And, and some of us are just plain confused by what's happened. And... Uh, and for our spirituality also, you know, there's that challenge, isn't there, that's out there. And I'm sure, well, I know some of you have encountered this. I know from uh, friends in, in ministry as well that people in their church are coming up with, with this question. And, it, and it says, it's a really simple question, but a very deep one. It says, hey, I thought everything was all right and was meant to be great for believers. And this isn't just what I thought it was going to be. I thought, I thought, you know, all I had to do was pray to God, everything was going to be perfect in my life, and it's not like that. That's the situation that Peter's talking to in this letter. If you remember, uh, so far he's told us a number of things, and, you know, because we, we've had a few weeks break here, I'm just going to go back over those things. He's told us a few things. First thing, he's told us all the good stuff, that Christ has been victorious over all the powers of darkness and over death. He's also told us that the blessings that we have as a result of our covenant with God are always bigger than our burdens. Our bur blessings are always bigger than our burdens because we're recipients of God's unchanging, unmerited grace. And to put that, you know, even more clearly, Peter's told us that we are ambassadors of a heavenly kingdom here on earth. We're not part of an earthly kingdom. We're ambassadors of this heavenly kingdom here on earth. And that we've been set apart as saints. And that we've got the power and the life of the Holy Spirit within us. And that means we've also got the counsel of the Holy Spirit available to us, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit available to us, the comfort of the Holy Spirit available to us, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit available to us. And when you put it like that, when you put it like Peter's just done, when we look at the blessings that we have, we get back to this question, isn't it? So if that's all true, what's the problem? Why? Why are things not just going along all hunky-dory, all perfect? Why is my life so difficult? What went wrong? And, you know, at the heart of that comes this question, why should those who uh, trust God and uh, believe in God have to face and go through difficult times? Why, why isn't it just get all sorted for us? Why can't we live on some sort of amazing level where we just uh, float along and nothing bad happens in our life? 
to answer that, I want that, and that's the topic that I'm going to talk about this morning because that's the topic that Peter talks about in his letter. Um, let's remember where we started. And where we started was this, with the statement that the answers that we get, they may not be the answers that we want, but they are the answers that we need. They may not be the answers we want, but they are the answers that we need. And behind that statement came some truths that we explored, that bad times can come upon even the most devoted Christian. And when those bad times come, that is the time to draw as close as possible in the body of Christ. Because we're in this together. We're not detached, we're not unconnected. And, and the biggest challenge, I think, and, and, and where Cheryl and I pastorally have seen most problems during this, this time that we've been through is when people have allowed themselves to become disconnected, unconnected, not engaged with, with the rest of the body. And that's when the problems have started. There's a pattern there that we, we need to be aware of. But, you know, being engaged, being connected is a positive action we've all got to take. But in addition to that, Peter says that, uh, you know, these answers that you're looking for as to, to, as to why your life is, is not turning out the way you want, the answers that you most need are actually instruction in the spiritual realities of how to walk in faith in difficult times. And when you're not connected, when you allow yourself to drift, when you uh, kind of give up or just think, oh, I can't be bothered. When we get in that situation, the problem is that we, we don't receive the instruction in how to operate in faith. Our faith starts to falter and our times, our difficult times become more difficult because we're even more distant from the body of Christ and from God, God as well. And we need to know how to walk in faith because, as Peter says, we're pilgrims and in strangers in this world we live in. We, we don't fit. It's not our home. We have an eternal home and this isn't it. And as a result of that, we, we, we grate, we, we come up against things, we face opposition. People don't understand what we're doing. You try walking in faith, people criticise you. You know, sometimes... You, you try walking in faith, you try believing, you, 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 you're pressing in to receive your healing or deliverance or be set free or just uh, some solution for your financial position or your relationship position and you're pushing in. And not only do unbelievers not understand what you're doing, but there's a lot of people who call themselves believers who are part of the body of Christ, who are saved, but are carnal Christians operating according to the principles of this world and they don't understand faith people. And as a result of that, we can expect that even people we would have expected to encourage us have actually seen that as trying to walk stuff out in faith and thought we were crazy. And that, you know, honestly, that doesn't help, does it, when you're trying to, to push in? But it is a reality and it is what Peter uh, warns us about because we're pilgrims and strangers in this world. And the, the, the other things he says is that it's far more important to be ready for heaven than it is to have comfort here on earth. And I know that's kind of not what we want to hear, but in our generation, we've become so short-sighted, so narrow-sighted, 
that everything comes down to what my life is going to be look like, what it's going to be like in 10, 20 years time. How can I get to my goals, my place? How can I provide for my retirement so that one day I can put my feet up, lay back and just enjoy the last 20 years of my life? And we, and we have this mentality that this life is all it is. And Peter reminds us that this life isn't all it is. We are, we are designed and built for an eternal home. And understanding that it's far more important to be ready for heaven than to achieve comfort here on earth. So, you know, when, when our comforts are taken away, when things don't turn out why we want, we shouldn't be fazed by that. And the other thing that he said uh, along the way is that character and conduct and witness to the truth achieve more than programmes of social welfare. And, and partly what he's saying there is that we need to start thinking of our individual response to the needs, the people in front of us, those that we can help, those that we can encourage, those that we can build up, and those that we can and, and really draw close to, to God, we ought to be thinking about our individual response rather than just going, hey, what's the church going to do about this? What's, how's the church going to organise this? Looking forward, God is looking for us to have a much more individual, close walk with him rather than devolving stuff onto an organisation called the church that we have kind of got familiar with in our generation where You've got two or three paid people, maybe a few more, who do everything, organise everything, and we're spectators. And the time of spectator Christianity has closed with this pandemic. The, that time is over, and we need to learn that lesson. So what else? Here's the best news. Here's the best news that Peter gives us. Here's what he says, that, that, that God is able to use these difficult times that we've been through for good. He turns all things for good for those who love him. And in that sense, although God doesn't, he doesn't cause the bad times, he doesn't bring the bad times, our response to those bad times, if we to come through them stronger and bolder and healthier than we went in, is that we, we, we work with the Spirit to uh, allow him to make us not, not just have a better life, but importantly, and most importantly, that we become better people. And when we, when we have that attitude, he gives us the grace to go through and to overcome. Now, having said all that, let's get on to the passage for today. First uh, Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. Now, I'll just read uh, this from, from my version, and I want to read it from the message as well. So I'll just read you... The first few verses from uh, the uh, New King James. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange has happened to you. But instead, rejoice insofar as you're sharing in Christ's sufferings, so that you may rejoice and be glad also in the revelation of his glory. Now, some, some really uh, challenging things there, some really encouraging things there. But let me read that to you from, from the message version, because I think it, it really brings out the essence of this passage uh, really well. So, uh, chapter 4, beginning at verse 12 again. Friends, when life gets really difficult, 
don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ himself experienced. This is a spiritual refining progress and glory is just around the corner. If you're abused because of Christ, consider yourself fortunate. It's the Spirit of God and his glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. Isn't that amazing that, that people can sense and feel and, uh, and just recognise the Spirit of God and the glory of good God in us? And, in it, and, and it's so encouraging to us when they oppose us, when they, they, they don't understand us, when they uh, challenge us or maybe even when they, they reject us. That's really encouraging because it's showing us that the glory of God and the presence of God is in us. And that should be so encouraging. If they're on you because you broke the law, disturbed the peace, that's a different matter. But if it's because you're a Christian, don't give it a second thought. Be proud of the distinguished status reflected in that name. It's judgment time for God's own family. We're first in line. And if it starts with us, think what it's going to be like for those who refuse God's message. So if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in your stride. Trust him. He knows what he's doing and he'll keep on doing it. And isn't that just so encouraging that God knows what he's doing and he'll keep on doing it. So let's just get into that passage. Um, he uses this word fiery trials. That, that word fiery is a, a translation Greek word puru, P-U-R-O-O. And it means a smelting of a refining heat. And the word translated trial is parasmos. And that can be a trial in a negative sense, but it can also be a trial in a positive sense. Uh, you know, there's two aspects of, of testing. There's, there's a testing that shows the negatives, but there's also a testing that brings forward and shows the progress we've made. And that's kind of what Peter's talking about here. He's saying that the progress you've made in these last 14 months should be on display to the world now. They should see that glory that has been birthed within you. And, and, and this time you've been through should have refined it and it should be clearer to all around you. So you're ready, you're set up and you're ready to go for the time ahead to see God move in your life. And that's just so uh, challenging, but it's so encouraging too. And so, you know, what do you do when these tests come along? Like these last 14 months or any other tests that's going to come in, along in your life in the future because they are going to come along. What does Peter tell us? He says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that this sort of thing's happening. Because you're not exempt, as a believer, you are not exempt from bad times in this world. You are not exempt from difficult times. You know, somehow the, the gospel has got changed in people's heads and in the way it's presented to believe in Jesus and everything will be all right and your life will turn out wonderful. And that's not the truth. The truth is that we are not exempt from bad times. But we are empowered to go through those times and come out of them to overcome, to have the victory and to come out stronger the other side with greater character, greater integrity and a better person ready for eternity with the glory of God shining from us so that the world can see God in us. You know, we're able to overcome bad times because of the reality of Christ in our life. You see... 
when Peter's writing this letter, you might remember from the earlier sessions that one of the things that's happening here is that he's writing to believers and they were they were former Gentiles who were from a pagan background. He's not writing to Jewish, the Jewish people. He's writing to former pagan believers. And for the first time, they are facing hardship as a result of their faith. Trouble has entered their lives. And some of them were saying, hey, I, when I came into this, this wasn't what I thought I was buying into. This wasn't what I was expecting because I welcomed the message of Jesus and I, and I delighted in the hope of that. And I've been growing steadily. I thought I was in my faith. Uh, we've formed churches. We've met regularly. We've, we've been taught. We've had prayer. We've had fellowship. But now troubles come. Nero is sending people and they're killing us, they're locking us up, they're, they're, they're hounding us and these troubles come along. And, and that's not what I thought we bought into. And Peter says, ah, 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 don't be surprised when difficult times happen in your life. We live in a fallen world full of fallen people with an enemy who's seeking to kill, steal and destroy. We do stupid things ourselves. We mess up our own relationships. We mess up our own lives. And in the midst of that, we, we're on a sick and dying planet. And in, in, in the reality of that, across seven billion people, difficult times are gonna come. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when that happens. And here's the point, I mean, in the message version, it says, don't come to the conclusion that God's not on the job. Don't come to that conclusion. Now, if he says don't, it means don't come to that conclusion. Come to a different conclusion. The trial, the difficulties we're facing, the difficulties you've been facing in your life, and there might not be anything to do with this uh, lockdown that we've been through this pandemic there might be family issues there might be relationship issues there might be health issues there might be all sorts of things but that that you are going through or have been through or that thing that's happened to you is not an indication that God's not on the job and Peter gives you know if I was to summarize all that well how would I put it Peter is saying this don't give up get up don't give up, get up. And that's so, so important that we remember that, that we are not to jump to conclusion, we're not to be surprised, we're not to be phased by these difficulties that come. You see, one of the mistakes we make, and, 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 and try, I'll say this from the heart, is that, you know, over the last years of ministry and, and in particular, over the last 18 months of minist this ministry, as this pandemic's been around, we've seen a number of, of Christians, not necessarily in our church, although, you know, we're not exempt, who've just said, this is just too difficult. I'd like, why, why is this happening to you? You know, I've had it with God. If, if God was who he said he was, these bad things wouldn't be happening to me. My life wouldn't be this mess. My life wouldn't have these things in it. And, and somehow we make this leap, or people have made this leap, and it's such an easy one to make, that difficult things are happening in my life, therefore God must have let me down. And the reality is, difficult things happen in everybody's life, and as Peter says, don't jump to conclusions. That doesn't mean that God's not at work. 
So what do we do? When we turn our back on God, when we say we've had it with God, we're done with church, we don't want to do this anymore, I'm just fed up, my life's just a mess. And, and when we come out with that attitude that I'm just tired, I don't want it anymore, what do we do? We remove ourselves from the ability of God to change our situation, to help us overcome and to see us through to a different future. And so we, we almost engage in a self-fulfilling prophecy that's come out of our own mouth because we turn our back on God and, and we jump to the wrong conclusion that God should have fixed our life. God helps us to go through our life and in the process of that, he turns things for our good and we get stronger. But if we, if we walk away from him, the effect of that is lost. So it's so important. Don't give up. But get up, get up on your faith, get up on your boldness, get up on your courage, get up believing in God and trusting in God and going forward with him. And don't you ever, ever give up. Do not jump to the wrong conclusion about God. And, you know, um, just come, this has just come to mind. Uh, when I was looking at James earlier in the year, there's this really amazing verse at the start of James uh, and it's James chapter 1 and it says my brothers count it all joy when you fall into diverse uh, difficulties or diverse trials knowing that the trying your faith develops patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete and come out of this lacking nothing and you know one of the things that we, we see a similar uh, parallel to this in, in uh, the, the verses we're looking at in, 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 um, in Peter, where, you know, he, he talks about Jesus being God's son in whom he's well pleased. And he calls him my beloved. Do you remember God calls, this is my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. And, you know, when you look at Jesus' life, you wouldn't think that God was that pleased with his beloved if you look at what happened to Jesus. You know, he, he, he had his own fiery trials. He went through pressure. He went through rejection. He went through threats. People tried to attack him. People tried to lock him up. People tried to derail his ministry. He was insulted. He was called a drunkard, a glutton, a friend of sinners. Some people even said he was demon-possessed. And others said, well, even an illegitimate child, you've got no right to be doing anything. And, you know, right out of all that, Jesus ended up just, he, he ended up suffering for doing good. The more good he did, the more criticism he got. And the world's only perfect person endured its greatest pain. And, you see, if Jesus had said, well, you know, I've, I'm done with God because this, this, is, this isn't what I bought into... We'd all have had that problem. We, we'd have all been stuck without a saviour. But Jesus, what, what Peter's doing is he's encouraging us to be like Jesus. And when we encounter these verses in James, when he says, count it all joy, when you fall into, into diverse trials or various trials, I think most of us are going to agree with when we read that verse that we really kind of wish that sort of passage wasn't in the Bible because it's so hard to get our head around. And we kind of probably choose as believers that we just like to really breeze through life, uh, no problems, no challenges, no pain, no issues, no relationship issues, no 
no difficulties at all. A life where everything just kind of got better and better with little or no troubles. And we'd all like that. We'd all wish stuff was like that. But the trouble is, life isn't like that. Trials are inevitable. And when trials come, we don't give up, we get up. You know, I think given the choice, and, and this has been a real stark choice we've had to face over the last, I don't know how many months, um, that we just like to get on with living, wouldn't we? We just like to, to go through life, get on with living, where we, we weren't tempted, we didn't have any, any problems, and there was no possibility of us drifting away from God because everything was great. And I think we think, well, our Christianity would be just so much easier if everything was like that. Again, life doesn't seem to be like that, does it? There's temptations, there's problems, we, we're tempted to rebel, we're tempted to drift away. It's so easy to disengage, disconnect, just go along from week to week, getting more and more disconnected. Uh, and just for some of us, seeing us almost totally give up on our faith. And sadly, across the body of Christ, that can happen with disappointing regularity. And, it, and it's happened to many people during this time because... They, they had this misconception that this isn't what I bought into. God was just meant to fix my life. You know, we live in a world where bad things do happen. And there's challenges to be overcome and there's trials to face. Trials in, in, are inevitable. And as James says, the question for us isn't whether there's a trial, it's how are you going to respond to that trial? And that's what James is talking about. And that's what, in a sense, what Peter's talking about. When James says, consider or count it all joy, you know, I'm going like, how do you count it all joy when you're going through a trial? How is that, how is that sensible? How's that sensible response? And that word um, count or consider, what it actually means, it's a, you know, I, I, I like this, it's an accounting term. It's something that accountants in those days use. And it means basically... Just stop, draw up your ledger, balance both sides, take a stock of exactly where you are, what are your blessings, what are your difficulties, and when you do that, in the light of God's word, you will always come to the conclusion that it's better with God, and the outcome of this is certain because of the covenant that you have with God. And so it's saying, just take a step back and don't drift away. Just pull yourself up short and take an account, take an account of what God's promised you, take an account of what God's done for you, take an account of all the things that are yours, what the word tells you is yours. And when you do that, you will be able to count it joy when you go through a trial because that trial will produce in you a better person, a stronger person. You'll see that trial overcome. You'll come out the other side. You'll be bolder, more courageous, uh, more powerful. And as James say, you will lack nothing that you need because you know, Peter says in his second letter, you've been out given everything you need for life and godliness. We lack nothing. However, we don't always use everything we have because we drift away, we give up, we, we walk away, disconnect, 
and we need to stay strong, connected, not give up, but get up. So let's, let's start to uh, head towards wrapping this up. You know, when we talk about fiery, fiery trials, you can look at that. I guess some of us think, well, you know, at, at points this year, it's almost been like hell unleashed, hasn't it? And what we, we use for phases like that, all hell broke loose. And I get that, but you know, the truth is, this isn't heaven. So we shouldn't be surprised when hell shows up. This isn't heaven, so we shouldn't be surprised when hell shows up. And if you are fully for God, then the reality is that the world will not understand you and will often be against you and discourage you. And carnal Christians who think solely in terms of their own abilities and of the flesh, they will also be a discouragement to you. So you've got that to deal with. And, 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 and don't be surprised when that happens. Don't think that God's not on the case, because he is. Don't jump to conclusions. And don't confuse that hatred of you, that bad advice, that disillusioning stuff that's coming out of other people's mouths. Don't confuse that with God, the Father's heart for you as an individual who he loves, he cares for, and he's deeply interested in your life. And so, you know, when you're suffering, well, let, let's look at these verses. Uh, let's go back to 1 Peter, chapter 4 again, and just move on. We'll just move on a few verses. Uh, verse 13, but in so, rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings, so that you may rejoice and be glad also in the revelation of glory. If you're reproached before, because of the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he's blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. And, uh, but I'll just carry on a little bit. Um, Let none of you suffer as a murderer, or thief, and evildoer, even a busybody. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God because of it. You know, when we face opposition, when people come along and they discourage us and disillusion us because we're trying to stand in faith and they're critical of us and, and all that sort of stuff, that is, a, that is a sign to us that we're getting it right. So when that happens, when suffering comes, when difficulties come in your life, when, when you're slandered, when people turn against you, when they discourage you, don't cave in, don't join that rebellion don't join that opposition don't join that way of thinking don't get into this well life owes me life owes me a good life life owes me to sort out all my problems don't get into that thinking and don't let yourself ever ever be ashamed or turn your back on or drift away from christ don't give up but get up but when you're, when you're struggling, when these difficult times come, when people uh, criticise you, when people don't understand what you're doing, when they discourage you, where they say it's not going to work for you, where's your God now, and all that sort of stuff, what do you do? You rejoice and you be glad. Not, not because you've got some sort of emotional high or you, you know, you, you 
work that up. You rejoice and be glad because your blessings are bigger than your burdens. Christ is alive in you. The Holy Spirit is alive in you and he's promised to turn every situation towards your good and to make you an overcomer who will come through and come out the other side of those things. You cannot fix other people. You cannot fix other people's problems. But you can walk this through with God and come out stronger and a better person, full of faith, lacking nothing. And so what do we do? Let's, let's just go on to verse 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins first with us, what shall be the end for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? So then, let those who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. You know, when you look at the Bible, you see two people who have this response to the difficulties that Jesus' ministry encountered. And you see two very different outcomes. You see one person become increasingly disillusioned that things aren't turning out the way he thought they were going to. You see this man, you see Judas, and you see him let this get to him to drift, to kind of start to disconnect from Jesus, to sign and say, you know, I've, I've kind of had it at this. This isn't what I bought into. This isn't what I thought I was going to get. This is just too difficult. And now this guy says, you know, he's going to die. And, and where does that leave me? Where does that leave the money? Where does that leave the finances? Where does that leave for our hope of, of this, this land being freed from Roman rule? This isn't what I bought into. And he disconnects, he drifts, he gets uh, disenchanted, he, he gets offended by God, and he gets offended by Jesus. He trusts in himself and he ends up doing evil. And yet, those exact same circumstances and those exact same things are being experienced by Peter. And Peter comes through with a very different outcome. Peter comes through as, as somebody who is recognised as loving Jesus. He, although he fails along the route, Ultimately, that fiery trial purifies him to become the man that God intended him to be. He trusts God, he does God good, and he sees the church established with tremendous power. Two people, same circumstances, same difficult things, two very different responses. So don't be the one who drifts away. Don't give up. Get up like Peter. Don't let the setbacks, don't let the failures, don't let the stuff where you, 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 you feel like you've let God down, don't let it get in your way. Get up right now and determine that you are going forward with God, that you will trust God. And, and ultimately what we're saying there, we're saying, looking back at all that stuff that we talked about at the start of this, about you know our routines being disrupted, uh, Everything been thrown off course, all our plans up in the air, uh, we're confused and, and we're kind of we're feeling, well, I, I'm not sure this isn't, is the Christianity that I thought I was buying into. Well, now's the time where we decide who we are. 
Are we the one like Judas who's going to take the wrong decisions or are we the one like Peter who's going to be stronger as a result of what we've been through? And, and you know, you might come to the conclusion at the end of all that, well, I just don't know what to do now. I, I just don't know how things are going to go. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know what I'm supposed to do tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. And I really don't understand some of the things that are happening in my life. So what do I do? Well, you take the advice that's there in verse 19. You, 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 you press into those principles. When you don't know what to do, you do what you know to do. When you don't know what to do, you do what you know to do. And what's that? Trust God, do good, and help others. So they carried on doing good, didn't they? Even though this, this low, these, these churches that Peter was writing to didn't understand what was going on, they put their trust in God, they did good, and they helped others. And I, I believe that's what God's encouraging us to do now. That When we're moving out of a time where we've been told what we can't do, that is something we can do. We can trust God, do God good to those in front of us, those we know, those we care about, those we encounter. Not leaving it to somebody else, not leaving it to some sort of vague organisation that can have its door shut at any point in time by any sort of mandate or whatever. Not leaving it to that, but walking this out as individuals as well as a family. Where where we love, where we do good, and where we help others. So Faith Life, I want to encourage you this morning, don't give up, but it's now time to get up. So I want to encourage you to watch for those emails this week, uh, just where we, we're going to start to talk about the, where we're going, what's next, what's coming. But I also want to encourage you to engage again. If, you, if you've drifted off, if you, you've, you've struggled or you've thought, well, this isn't what I bought into, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to get up and engage again. So I'm going to pray for us all now. Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you are a God who doesn't just leave us to, to, to struggle on, but you're a God who is there in the middle of our struggles, in the middle of our difficulties, and you're right there with us. And I ask you now, Lord, to, to stir up within us a spirit a spirit that says, I'm not going to give up. Whatever I thought yesterday or whatever I thought when I got out of bed this morning, that's all done and dealt with. I'm with God. And I will not allow myself to drift away, disconnect, be discouraged, but I'm going to stay with God and I'm going to see what he does in my life. Amen. So Faith Life, we love you. We bless you and we, we just want you to have a great week. So trust God, do good and help others and we'll see you soon. Bye.